Okay, those of you who were here last week might remember that I told you about an appeal made at a Baptist Union Assembly Missions Night sent from the Sri Lankan Baptist Union asking that we might send them from Scotland a pastor, a Bible teacher, with them only making one seemingly unusual stipulation. Send us someone with grey hair, which of course was their way, picturesque way of saying, send us someone of maturity. Now, as I said, uh, I, I was at that time in my early 30s with a luxuriant full head of dark brown hair. That's true. No, he curling it as well. So I felt I was off the hook, whereas I, as I shared now, it doesn't matter what colour the hair is, I'm just trying to keep as much of it as I possibly can. But you know, there's another sign of advancing years that's crept up on me just recently. I've started to get bothered about grass, about the condition of my grass. Particularly that on my little front garden, there's hardly any grass at all. It's full of moss and weeds. Now, I want to make it clear, at one time I used to count moss and weeds as grass. As long as it was green, it counted as far as I was concerned. But you see, now I'm getting fussy. So I researched this. I found out that there's stuff that you can put on your grass that's supposed to weed it and feed it. That kills the weeds and feeds the grass. And then... You're supposed to scarify the grass, which sounds basically difficult and painful, but what it actually does is it it takes away all the moss and weeds and leaves the grass to grow with seeds being planted to cover any bald patches. If only you could do that with hair, many of us say. So anyway, first I tried the weed and feed. Elaine looked at the plastic tub after I'd finished and discovered that what I'd used in our little front garden was designed to cover the equivalent of a tennis court. (laughs) And not only that, but I managed to miss out two big patches. Kind of a miracle, but in reverse. Understandably, she was very impressed. Now then came the scarifier. And I found out you can either get a hand tool or you can get one that's electrically powered. Elaine thought that the hand tool would give me a good workout. I bought the electrical one. But then came my last chance to impress. Elaine was out one day and I decided I was going to assemble this machine. Which of those of you who know my practical skills are aware was a huge, huge step for me. So I concentrated on the instructions very carefully. I took my time and everything went great. I was already in my imagination basking in the hero worship to come. But then it was time to fasten the handle to the main body. The nuts and bolts were missing. I looked everywhere. I shook that box up and down until it started to disintegrate. Forgiving the Flymo assembly line will not be easy, though. I think there's somebody on that laughing who missed those bolts out. I'll maybe get there, but it won't be easy. To have hero status, 
snatched away at the last minute. But is there anything, though, more annoying than having something just about put together and then finding there's something missing? You know, you're cooking a meal and you find there's one ingredient missing. For me, that would be if I had the pie and I couldn't find the beans. But you've got everything set up to wash your car. And you find that someone has thrown the sponge out. The opposite of that, of course, is that you can have a nice sit-down instead of washing the car. But all of these, though, are relatively trivial examples. Harry and Deborah are here today, though. They're here because they felt that there was something missing from their lives. Something vitally important missing from the very heart of their lives. And they believe that they have found that missing something in Jesus. So you see, by being baptized today, they're declaring their faith in Jesus, their love for Jesus, and they're making it clear just how important Jesus Christ is in their lives that he stands at the heart of their lives, that he is the one who they believe makes life complete, who makes life make sense. So what is it that they've found in Jesus that makes them believe that he is so special? What is it that's led them to believe that Christian faith, rather than being what it is for so many, at best an add-on to life, an optional extra, that it is instead the irreplaceable foundation on which their life is built? Well, let me suggest that of a wide range of possibilities, just a few of the life-changing differences that Jesus makes to a life that's given to him. First, there's love. Jesus brings a new sense of being loved into our lives. Because, you know, there's nothing more important in life than to know that you're loved. Nothing more important. I read during the week an article, a scientific research paper, on the importance of being loved, of feeling loved during childhood. Here's just one little quote. The more an infant is handled and held, the more it is stroked and spoken to, the greater will be its resilience and capability to adapt to negative onslaughts and to withstand stressful experiences later in life. You see, being loved, knowing that we're loved, perhaps particularly, but not only in the early stages of life, affects our ability to deal with whatever then comes our way In life, knowing we're loved makes us secure. And that doesn't change, no matter how old we are. Sadly, when we're not loved, this has a a serious impact, a negative impact on our self-image, on the way we interact with others. With this so often, too often, leaving people who've been affected in this way, finding it difficult to go on and to bond with their own children. And so this cycle continues. But here's the thing. Some people who know that they're deeply loved by others still feel deep down within themselves, despite it all, an unsettling feeling of being unloved. 
no matter how they're loved. And others find it so hard to accept love. They feel that they're so unworthy of love. I believe that the root reason for this is because people need to know that they are loved by God. Because you see, God made us to love us and that we might love Him in return. But here's where it all went wrong. We decided to turn our back on God's love. We decided we didn't want to live under God's leadership. So right back at the beginning of time, we turned away from God. We rebelled against God. We sinned. And the result of that sin, of man's choice to sin, is that the the loving relationship with God that we were made for is broken. For our choice to sin, our sin, that brought evil and suffering and death into this world, into God's perfect world, and it separated us from a perfect, pure, totally good God who could have nothing to do with anything that's not like Him, holy and pure and totally good. So sin then means, our sin means, that we're separated from God's love, from the love that we were created to know. And it's the lack of that love that's the reason right now for that emptiness deep within us. And the facts are that if this isn't dealt with, then at death we'll be separated from God's love forever. Now you see, if we spent a lifetime ignoring God's love, ignoring God, that might not seem too big a threat. But you see, what we have to realize is that everything that is good in this world is a gift from God. So I ask you, imagine a world, imagine a life, imagine your life with everything good, every scrap of love stripped away from it. Imagine that for all eternity and left to our own devices. That's the future for each one of us. But here is the good news, the amazing, life-changing, world-changing good news. God didn't leave us to our own devices. He didn't leave us to reap the consequences that we deserve. Rather, because He loves us, because of how much He loves us, God became a man in Jesus Christ. And He lived on this earth a perfect, sinless life. And then on the cross, He gave that life for us. As a man, He hung on the cross for us. He took the punishment that was ours. As God, He paid the price we could not pay. His sinless, perfect life given to pay the price of all our sin. And He did it all simply because He loves us. 1 John 4.10, it's up there on the screen, is one of my favorite Bible verses. This is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. It's this love, as they have put their trust in this love, in Christ's sacrifice for them, it's this that Harry and Deborah have experienced. It's this love that has filled that emptiness within. It's this love that has made them whole, that they know that God loves them and that He loves them enough that in Christ He died for them. And how they now love Him 
in return. The next life-changing difference that Jesus makes in a life that's given to him is power. Power. First, he breaks the power of sin in our lives, and then he gives us a new power so that we can live lives that please him. Romans 6.14 tells us that sin shall no longer be your master. You see, once we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we're no longer compelled to do things that are sinful. You know the kind of thing I'm talking about. There's something out there that you know you shouldn't do, that you work somewhere you know you shouldn't go, something you know you shouldn't say, and you don't want to do it. You decide that you're not going to do it, you're not going to go there, but you find that you cannot help yourself. The power of temptation is such that you just cannot stand against it. Well, you see, once we put our faith in Jesus Christ, that dominating, overruling power of sin is broken. Now, it's not that a Christian cannot sin. Definitely not that. It's not that they do not sin. It's not that they don't give in to temptation, because they can, and they do. But the difference is that the Christian can choose not to sin. We can choose to sin, but we can choose not to sin because Jesus has broken the power of sin in us. But the power that Jesus brings into the life of someone who puts their faith in him isn't just negative, it's also positive. It's incredibly, overwhelmingly positive because Jesus does give us new power to live him to live for him. He gives us new power to live lives that please him. For example, another verse from Romans 6, verse, this time from verse 4. Just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. You see, the power of God, that power that on Easter Sunday raised Jesus Christ from the dead, that power of God that demonstrated God's victory over sin and death and all the powers of evil, that power, the power of God's Holy Spirit comes into our lives the moment we put our trust in Jesus Christ. And then that power leads us into new priorities for our lives, to live life a different way, to live lives that that please God, to live lives that are devoted to serve Him, to glorify Him, to bring others to know Him, that are devoted to love and serve needy men and women in His name. And then, that power enables us to fulfill these priorities. It enables us to live out these priorities in our lives. Now again, there's an element of choice. I want to make it clear in this. Christians have got to continuously make the choice of living their life enabled and directed by this new power. And we can choose otherwise. Why in in Colossians 3 from verse 5 on, it's, it's made clear there that we've got to actually choose to put off, to put away living our life the old way. We've got to put away living a sinful, self-centered life. And we've then got to choose to put on the new self to choose to seek the power of God to live life God's way. But let me say to you, 
Harry and Deborah, I believe, would both tell you that there is nothing better in this life than living a life that pleases God. That there's nothing more fulfilling, that there's nothing more peace-giving, that there's nothing more joy-giving than choosing to live your life God's way and knowing that He's empowering you to do that and that He is blessed and pleased by what you're doing. Well, God does do so much more, but this morning, the final life-changing difference that we're going to look at, that Jesus makes in a life that's given to Him, is hope. Jesus brings a new sense of hope into the lives of those who put their trust in Him. You know, that's a currency that's in short supply, isn't it, in our world today? Hope. Hope. At the individual level. There's not that much hope around today, is there? There's probably more people depressed in our country today than there's ever been. With the accusation always there, you know, we've got so much. What right have we to be depressed? In other parts of the world, it would be far easier to understand. But why here? Why here? Let me tell you what I think. I think it's precisely because we've got so much. Because we've got so much time and we've got so much of everything else. It's precisely because of that that people are depressed. You see, we've got everything, many of us, that we need. But we've also got the time to sit down and think. But what does it all mean? All the money. All the possessions. Living this short life on earth, but within a few generations, in all likelihood, being forgotten by everyone. What does it all mean? And then when you look beyond the individual, I remember when I was young, there was always the threat of nuclear war and invasion by Russia and China. But then... The Berlin Wall fell, and we all thought, that's it. The danger's over. And what do we find now? That the world is a more dangerous place than it's ever been, with the difference being that whereas there was a hope of rational dialogue in some way with Russia and China, there seems today to be no possibility of the same with those who now see themselves as the enemies of our society. There's little hope around today. But I want to tell you that there is hope today. There is hope. There's hope for the individual. There's hope for the world. There is hope. And it's to be found in Jesus Christ. It's to be found in Jesus, the one who died and rose again, the one who will return to this world. He promises that. He is our hope. For as we know Him and as we live for Him, we know that our lives mean something. We know that we're going somewhere. We're living to glorify Him in this world. And we know one day we're going to go to be with Him. And as for our world, well, the Bible tells us that things will get tough in this world. That there will be suffering and there will be times of darkness. As the final battle between good and evil is worked out. But it also tells us that our God has won the victory in Jesus Christ. And that one day that victory will be seen by all of His creation. 
And on that day, this world, our world, our lives, as we've given our lives in faith to him, on that day, all will be restored to be that which God has always intended it to be. Another one of my favorite verses, looking forward to that day, is Revelation 21.3, again up there on the screen. Now it says, looking forward to that last day, now the dwelling of God is with men, and He will live with them. They will be His people, and He and God Himself will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. You see, today, this is the hope that fills Deborah and Harry's hearts. This is the hope that their faith in Jesus Christ has brought them and every other one who trusts in Jesus on this day. This is their hope. And this can be your hope. You can know a new love, a new power, a new hope, You can know this and so much, much more. You can know it here, today, right now, through faith in Jesus. It's that simple. Faith in Him as the Son of God. God became man who on the cross died for your sin and on the third day rose again. There is love and power and hope for you in Jesus, as by faith you make him yours. Let's come and pray together. Father, we've seen so powerfully, heard so powerfully what you can do in a life that's given to you. And Lord, you want to do it in each one of our lives. May we turn to you, may we put our trust in you, may we see you as the one who can fill our lives to the full, who can give us hope, give us power, who can give us life and love forevermore. Help us to trust in you today, in Jesus' name. Amen.